Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired Women Gathering Show. This is a show that talks about all things from life, relationships, spirituality, business, and everything in between. Women inspire me through their stories, their resilience, resourcefulness, tenacity, and the powerful movement that we make in the world. I love connecting and having deep conversations, sharing with you the women I'm so blessed to know and who inspire me, especially as we navigate through this deep and knowing time in our world. My name is Dixie Bennett and I'm your host and as a Soulful Women and Wealth Coach and Healer helping you live an abundant life and sustainable business. And I created this platform for to highlight amazing women who I come across and connect with and I hope that you enjoy them as much as I do. So today I am so excited to introduce to you my beautiful guest, uh, Wynne Thornley. Um, and our topic today will be your own, be your own healer. So Wynn is a professionally trained and certified Reiki master teacher, channeled to the ethers. Being a natural born psychic and empath, Wynn understands the challenges that rise up from loving to help people, but feeling like the world is too broken to fix. From her early fascination with Edgar Case, years taking on extensive training in intuitive development and Reiki mastery through her mentors in self-study. Wynne was naturally drawn to working the Akashic Records. Through the light of the records, she is able to go deeply into the soul's blueprint, diagnose where blocks originated and the next steps required to create massive shifts, change, and healing. Wynne specializes in teaching, coaching, empathic entrepreneurs and high-performance intuitives who wish to develop their natural gifts and turn them into their wealth-generating superpower. Awesome. Welcome, Wynne. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here today. Yeah. So where in the world are you coming from? Uh, today I'm coming from a little uh, acreage community called Eagle Valley. We are just outside of Sundry, Alberta. I didn't always start here. I actually was born and raised in Calgary, Southeast, Ogden. So it was a big move going from really, really big city to itty bitty little town. <laughs> <laughs> I could just imagine because I went the opposite. I went from itty bitty nothingness to big, well, farm living, country living to big city. Um, so yeah, very, very much a culture shock. That's for sure. Yes, it was a lot different than I imagined. <laughs> so, well, I'm happy. Well, I'm happy to talk a little bit about that transition too, because that is, you know, I think a big. Um, you know, as we talk about turning points and different discoveries about as we go deeper into ourselves. But before we go into that, I really, um, you know, Wynn and I have known each other for over 20 years and we have so many threads uh, that have been weaved together um, from our awesome time at Limley's Western Wear to, um, you know, working just self-discovery, growing up, marriage, children, um magic. to own business magic <laughs> um we've had we've shared uh so much together and i'm just so proud of the woman that you are now and so proud of the journey that uh that has unfolded so i really um i really want to start with you sharing because life hasn't always been you know where we are today um and i really want you to share who you know just some of the aspects of um okay well, i'm gonna go back you have an amazing story that i can't wait for you to share and for us to dive into when i first met win i always saw her light i always saw 
Um, and I guess that's one of my, my biggest gifts is I see the truth and the potential of people. Um, and I just, I always see the brightest light in the room and I always knew immediately that Wynne and I were going to be friends. Um, and I just enjoyed her energy and I just really saw her light. And, but I know that you didn't quite always see your light and I'd really love for you to share a little bit more about who, you know, where you came from and kind of how you started out on this journey. Yeah, that sounds great. It's a big story. So buckle up everybody. <laughs> you know, when you were talking about Lamleys, we're kind of going reminiscing, thinking back, you know, I just remember that time we're folding jeans, talking about our future. I was like, Dixie, man, expansion, saw so much for you. So I think it's kind of nice that the universe aligned our paths together. So my story started out, um, in Calgary, we lived in a, a city in the southeast known as Ogden. There's a certain mentality about Ogden. You don't leave, you always come back, right? Uh, and it started out really, hmm, I had a hard time opening up with people about what was going on when I was a child. I used to sense people in my room at night, uh, people sitting on the end of my bed, and I really held on to it. I didn't really want to talk about it because when I did bring it up with my parents at that time, it was like, oh, the house is settling, pipes are moving, basically don't share your crazy with us because we're not buying it today. <laughs> and it really, really caused me to, I think, reach for a personality that wasn't even me. Mm. Transform myself into somebody who's more likable, easier to love, right? Not spooky, because <laughs> that's what I got from a lot of people, that I was a spooky person. Mm. So as I was going through school, you know, you can only hide so much of your weirdness and I kind of was that person who was in all groups but had no group of her own and I think that's a really common message with a lot of light workers and people yeah, who are here to create. Oh, <laughs> so big right so I was always that uh hmm always in the shadows nobody really saw me right it came to a time where I really started to feel like something was wrong uh within me I started to research things like mental illness because I was hearing more and more voices as I got older and it was no longer mumbling. I was starting to pick out words. I was seeing actual shapes and actual people sitting at the edge of my bed. Uh, and I was starting to think, well, there's gotta be something wrong because that's what's always been told to me. There's always something wrong. So I had a frank conversation with my mother about it. And at the time I was experimenting with drugs. First thing she asked is, is it the marijuana? I said, well, yeah, I may be smoking, but that's not the problem. The voices were there before, right? So it was really, she didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to do. So she reached for medical community. She took me to the doctor and they decided that uh, I was going to begin a new journey. And I ended up starting to see a lot of doctors who were in the special services building up at the foothills. And if anybody's been to the special services building, you know, they deal with a lot of different things, but on the certain floor that I went to, it was the early psychosis program. Mm. So their biggest clue was, well, if she's hearing voices and all these things, then she must have some mental instability. And my mom felt quite comfortable with that, considering my family has a history mm. of mental illness, mm. which as I've gotten older, I wonder if that's really what it was. Mm -hmm. Right. I lost my uh, grandfather to suicide with the same thing that I was apparently about to get diagnosed with. Mm. So it was a really tough journey because uh, it made my family really uncomfortable at the time. They didn't know what to think. 
I was in an early psychosis program, so there was a lot of diagnostic uh, stuff done, and I felt there was a lot of little care for the patient and more care to see how the chemicals were working in my body. Mm -hmm. uh, I was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, and I was put on heavy-duty antipsychotics by the time I was 17 years old. And as we know, our brain's not even done developing until we're 21. Mm -hmm. And with my further research, most women aren't diagnosed with schizophrenia until about their mid-20s. Mm. So I felt that there was a lot of a lot of holes they wanted me to fit into mm -hmm. just for the sake of having a program. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what my guts tell me now. But at that time, you listen to the doctors. You listen to what they say. You trust what they say. Mm -hmm. And so I was on an antipsychotic journey of nothingness for about 10 years. And that's kind of in the time when I first met you, Dixie. Mm -hmm. I was already well into taking antipsychotics. I felt that, uh, I felt really switched off. And so having somebody as loving as you come into my life, it was really hard to accept. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting, the same year you came into my life was the same year my husband came into my mm -hmm. life. And there was this amazing support. So as I was going through um, my 20s, there was a lot of uh, substance abuse issues. And I believe that upon further research now as a you know, grown adult, uh, the antipsychotics, I think, had a lot to do with that. I couldn't feel anything, so I was trying to feel something. Right. Or if I was feeling something, I didn't want to feel it anymore. Mm -hmm. It was a very conflicting situation. I felt like I belonged when I was having drinks or smoking weed out back of the bar like it felt like I belonged to something mm -hmm. but it never felt right all the same so I uh, ended up uh, talking to my husband a lot about it in around 25 26 and he felt that it wasn't helping anymore uh, substance abuse problems were getting worse uh, so we decided to talk to my doctor about uh, getting off of these antipsychotics and my doctor ended up closing down his practice and thank goodness because i loved him he was great but the lady who took over when i was talking to her about it she was the doctor who helped me get off of the antipsychotics mm -hmm. and when she sat down and talked to me she had said things like hmm feels like you only have episodes when you're drinking a lot or having a lot of drug interaction or around really negative people have you ever thought it was substance induced psychosis Mm. And I said, well, I don't know. And she goes, I don't think that your brain is broken. I think that there's a program you were in that isn't suitable. And I think it's time to get you off the drugs to see what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And I never felt better. Mm. I never felt better. I still really struggled with the lifestyle I created, though. Mm -hmm. right? For yeah. a long time until I got pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. It was pregnancy that caused me to go... It's time to not be selfish anymore. I have to sober up. I have to, you know, like this is happening. So, well, I think there is there were times along the way also because I know as I was starting to get into my practice, um, when was one of my first case studies that I ever yes. <laughs> practice on her, um, and I know that there was there was some massive shifts and some big openings that started to happen um, at that time as well. And I know that that also opened up some doorways because I know you shed a lot of weight at that time as well. Like there, there was actually a lot of pieces before that. Um, but I also know, you know, that you used to go and talk to the University of Calgary and go and talk to oh the students. 
You know what? That's so not only were you in that program, you were you were in a deep program that was also you were going and talking to up and coming students, sharing your your experiences, um, and that so there was a, there was quite a lot going on of of misdiagnosis. I I feel. You know, it's funny how much of that I forgot. Like with you bringing it up, I'm like, of course I did that. I did video studies. I was filmed. And I just think like if I could, now that I'm actually re, it's like a realization, right? Because we forget when we start to heal, we forget parts that were really painful to us, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like it's nice to be the star of your program, but I feel like I don't really fit that role because I'm not really sick. Mm -hmm. And when speaking specifically about that, one time I did go to the University of Calgary to speak to a class of psychology students. I was sitting outside talking with a, also a special guest star mm -hmm. and everything he was telling me, I was like, wait a minute, I don't deal with any of that stuff. And it was complete, like very delusional type mm -hmm. stuff he was telling me. And I was like, but I don't feel like I don't, I fit in those boxes. Mm -hmm. And I think, it must have been that time where I started to go, wait a minute, something different is happening here. Cause that was one of the last things I did for that program. Mm -hmm. And I just think what a disservice now to all those students who sat there and were actually sitting and talking to a psychic being instead of somebody who had a broken brain. Cause that's what they kept trying to, your brain's broken. It's sensitive. You're sensitive. Mm -hmm. Don't have emotions. Don't hear things. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't know things that you shouldn't know. Right. You know, and I remember going through all the cognitive tests and this one lady was with me on all of them until my last year. And she told me she chose to walk away from them because she goes, I just don't know what's wrong because you pass all of these cognitive tests with flying colors. Yeah. And she says, I just don't feel that what we're doing is what you really need. Right. And so she stepped out of that role for me and I, it was such, I felt abandoned actually because yeah. she seemed to be the only one who treated me like, right. I wasn't um, broken. Right. Yeah. You know, and uh, getting out of that program was the best thing I ever did for myself. Getting off those drugs was the mm -hmm. best thing I ever did for my. And thank goodness I had supportive people in my life because I do remember you were starting your practice. We had Tyson, and then you really started the Bowen therapy portion of it. Mm -hmm. Some of those memories that you unlocked in my body, Dixie, were. The main reason I think I was able to shift forward into be comfortable and finding out more about who I really was. Mm. I mean, you're one of my main mentors in my life, somebody mm. you look up to and mm -hmm. thank you. How you shifted your life so like 180 from what when I first met you as well. And then all of that schooling to get into a you know, a business that you thought you wanted to be in and for you to just go, nope, I'm gonna change. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> So just know you've been a big inspiration for me. And a lot of that, you know, even though it was a case study, it wasn't a case study. It was real life, big shifts. Of course it was real life. Yeah. No, but it was just, it was, you know, even just as, as practicing. But I think too, as we, I think one of the biggest things I've noticed for myself is I'm already doing it. And then I take the theory or the, um, the deeper learning behind it and and then it just becomes more oh I get it now right it's just like because you're wandering around in, in kind of this void of nothingness and yet so much right and it's just yeah. like, how do you decipher and decide and move through 
and identify. Um, and that, at least that's been my journey and it's still, it's still evolving, you know, very much like the Mandela flower behind you, like look at all the layers and colors, like that's how I feel, you know, is that, you know, there's just, there's so much, but it's just like, how do we zero in into what's, what's the most important thing that I need to know right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's where I feel, you know, it's interesting if we can fast forward a little bit into my son and I remember being a kind of resistant to your stuff at first because again I'm like oh right into like ghost hunters and like you know that kind of splashed out media version of what spirituality was and I'm like, I don't know if that's for me right mm-hmm. and then it was 2012 I think you were hosting one of your first class when you gotta come in and so I was like just take my money I don't know what it is and I'm just gonna jump in because there was something in me that said she's got to be doing something different mm-hmm. so I want to look at it mm-hmm Cool. You know, like your mentality, like so much about you calmed and changed and just slowed down. Mm. So I'm glad that I had jumped in both feet with you. Mm-hmm. My whole life changed after that. It was, I remember being in our, that level one class and I go, oh my God, I didn't realize I've been doing this my whole life. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this my whole life mm-hmm. and I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when you told me, like the day you shared with me that you have the paranoid schizophrenic diagnosis and I'm just like what I'm like that doesn't make any sense to me because that's I don't see any I never saw anything that even alluded to to that at all and so I was just like I don't think that's true and I challenged you on it several times yeah my own because I'm like I don't I don't feel that that's right, and we and we had lots of conversations. We've I mean had many 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 conversations, oh, so many, but I yeah. just always knew that you were gifted, and I and I remember even as you started to shift, even more deeply, like you are a very gifted individual, and I just always saw that from the beginning. But you needed to see it, and and it's been really cool watching you evolve even more into into the evolution of you. So, so at what point did you, did you start noticing for yourself? Because, you know, again, just from the outside watching, um, and just waiting for you to kind of step in, um, what, what, when was your big aha or the turning point where you really felt like, okay, well, maybe this isn't imaginary. This is really something. This is a really fun story. I like to tell this one, actually. Uh, I was invited to a mediumship party. I was about 27 years old. I remember that because I remember them saying, make sure you don't drink the night before you come in. And I'm like, oh yeah, 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 not at all. Totally went, got wasted at the bar, right? Like totally, didn't take it serious. And I remember being 27 because I was on that brink of knowing something wasn't right, hearing what you're saying, hearing what Kermit's saying, but obviously I needed another untangible, how would they know source, right? Okay. So I get invited to this mediumship party. Uh, I don't know what the heck that is, but I'm going to go to it. And I thought it was very interesting how both uh, my mother and my sister were there, considering in the past they were like, don't share the scary stuff with me, right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what a mediumship party was, but I know I immediately had anxiety just before my sister was going to pick me up. I had anxiety, and I probably at the time wasn't aware that it was anxiety. Mm -hmm. I just knew I was feeling nervous, I was feeling hot and sweaty, and maybe like I might poop myself a little bit. So... (laughs) (laughs) So we roll up to the house. I'm telling my sister, I don't think this is a good idea. She's like, you should come on in. Like, just come in. 
these are all people we know, everything's cool, you know. So I went in. I got sat down beside the medium, and she's somebody who I've known 25 years or more. Uh, she came from my youth as a, as a coach in bowling, so I knew her through another avenue. Mm-hmm. And so I was quite comfortable going and knowing who she was, but still not knowing what this mediumship stuff was. And like had an idea, but didn't know what was going to happen. So they sit me down kind of, I was one of the last people to arrive, as everybody knows. That's still something that hasn't quite changed in me. I run late. <laughs> I don't have time. <laughs> and uh, so we sit down and she starts to do a grounding process. Uh, I don't remember ever feeling as spun out after that point in my life as I did at that moment. Mm. Again, I got the hot sweats. I felt like I might throw up, might poop a little, don't know, felt like I might cry. Just was so, my body was like, I don't know what's happening. Mm. She was like kind of struggling through the first reading and she goes, wow, is anybody else like hot and sweaty? And just, I'm like, this is bullshit if this is what this is. Like, I don't even want to be here anymore, right? So I came clean and she says, well, you're not grounded. You need to move over here. She moved me, did a different grounding technique on me. It worked really, really well. Now that I think about it, I went in there and I had a a really bad throat infection at the time. So I couldn't even really speak. So, you know, as she's going around the circle, it was a group mediumship reading. So whoever spirit is there, they'll get a reading, not guaranteed, but we'll see how it goes. And there's Mm -hmm. probably about 20 people there. So it was quite a, it was full room. Mm -hmm. Well, she did end up getting to me and she says, oh, uh, you're not sick. And I went, oh, really? As I'm like, (laughs) so sick, right? And she goes, no, 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 that's not it. You're not sick. Right. And I said, you know, please elaborate. And she goes, you need to get off of those drugs. Mm -hmm. And I said, which ones? Right. And she, and I was being super sarcastic, super snarky, really like very resisting the process. Absolutely. When I look back on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And she goes, you need to get off those antipsychotics. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not sick. You're special. And you need to step into your gifts. And I was just like, nothing. Couldn't even say anything. Mm-hmm. And everything in my body, I remember going, like, ringing like a bell. Mm-hmm. Rings true. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so I sat with it for a minute. And I, I'm the type that I'm very empathic. I'm very emotional. So tears started to flow because it started to feel true. And I'm like, but what do you mean? What do you mean? And she's like, you got angels around you. You need to explore that. You're a very gifted person Mm -hmm. and the medical community is not doing you service. You Mm -hmm. have to go and get off those drugs and step into your gifts as part of your path. So at that time, I didn't really obviously understand the capacity of that statement, but it certainly made me go, well, this came from some sort of witch. So maybe I should pay attention to it (laughs) because how did she know? How did she know? It was a part of my life I didn't talk about with a lot of people because it was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And if somebody, I had my sibling tell me openly she was afraid of me. So why would I want to tell anybody about this part of myself? And after that, we started to make the steps. So yeah, start to make the steps to get off the drugs. And yeah, I'd have to say that was my biggest pivot towards the right direction. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When I was completely lost. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it was, it was, it's interesting how I look back now and realize, I didn't realize how huge it was. Mm-hmm. And the whole, 
I denied that story for a really long time. I've had a lot of people who have asked me to share it. And it's my first time sharing it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah. I don't even feel like I'm going to cry. So I almost feel like, <laughs> yeah, I think I really healed that portion, right? Because <laughs> uh, I almost look back and I can see it so clearly now. And as I talk about it more, it's like, oh yeah, there's that and there's that. And, oh, how did I agree to this and that and the other thing? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Down the rabbit hole, Alice in Wonderland, I always say. Because Alice in Wonderland was always my favorite story growing up as a kid. And I'm just like, I always feel like I'm in Alice in Wonderland. Too big, too small, don't fit here, don't fit there. Yeah. Right? And then the cats would talk to you or then <laughs> there'd be information um, in riddles that didn't make any sense. Um, but I think what's also really important, um, what you alluded to when you first came into that experience where you felt, felt nauseous and, and I think that's a, you know, I hear that from other people and I know it was very, very true for myself when I, you know, um, cause it, it, it's about shifting energy and shifting frequency. And as I understand more and more about the energetics and, and shifting of frequency and not just, you know, the color frequency, um, angelic frequencies, yes. sound frequencies. I mean, there's so many different aspects. And, you know, what I've discovered is, is really, um, well, number one, it's our nervous system that needs to, to recalibrate to this, this energetic awareness that, that you're, that, or experience that you're having. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, when I first started getting into the healing arts, like I literally, I would be in the middle of a session with a client and all of a sudden I'd feel nauseous and I'd be sweaty. And I was just like, I have, I felt like I was going to throw up and I did. And, you know, as we start to bring in more and more higher frequencies and higher light, we have to remove the density that we're carrying. Yes. And so, you know, I would literally be in the middle of a session with someone. I'd say, I'm really sorry. I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And it was, sometimes it was diarrhea. Sometimes it was throwing up literally like I just expel. And then I'd feel like a million bucks after I came up. Like it was just like, it wasn't a sickness. It was just, I had to release, I had to purge. And for me, it started out very physical. Um, uh, and then it started to kind of balance out and even out. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's also something for people to recognize and notice because yes, uh, anxiety just means that you're not grounded. That's, that's how I describe anxiety. Um, and the sensations, the pins and prickles and, you know, mm. the, the sick feeling, you know, is, um, regardless, you know, is some people just are really have those palpable sensations and, really? but they're actually, you know, it's not something to be afraid of. It's something to embrace and to move through. And when I, as I was going through, like, you know, to be honest, I mean, I, I really didn't have very many mentors as I was shifting, um, going into into this new work and this new world and i would share my experiences with some of my mentors or teachers and they just look at me like what like really you know and i'm just like um like this is real like i don't understand they're like are you sure that there's nothing wrong with you you're not sick and you know there was a time for me too where i closed the door and i'm like i don't want to know this i don't want to be a part of this anymore just take me off the grid <laughs> i don't want to do it and i ended up getting sick for two years like really really sick and um and that was to me my 
uh, I call it ascension vertigo, uh, because as I was ascending into higher consciousness, higher frequencies, and I was becoming a vessel to channel more, I became so physically uncomfortable, and I, I really didn't know what was happening, and, and I denied it, and I just slammed the door shut. So, and you know, it's kind of like, well, fine, we're just going to punish you then. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because it keeps coming back around until you do. Yeah, it just gets worse every time it comes back around. Yeah. So I just thought, so it took me two years to recover from that. And, you know, and I was still working and I was still doing my, my things, but it was, it, I literally felt like my crown was crumpled and my halo was ringing, kind of <laughs> hanging off to the side. And my, like, I don't want to see it all. I just want right. to see a skewed yeah. portion of it. <laughs> Totally. So it was just like this skewed perception and, you know, it was kind of like what you alluded to before where I don't want to know. I don't want to see because I only have this idea of spirits and, and um, scary ghouls and haunted houses and monsters. And so I just thought, I'm like, I don't want to know this. I don't want to know this world. I don't understand it. I don't want to know anything about it. And so when the door closed, you know, it was just, it took a while to come back, but I had so many healers and men and people started coming forward to help me and to support me. And in ways I didn't even, I couldn't even, you know, and, just, and they didn't even know. They're just like, I don't know, Dixie, I can't really do anything for you, but I'm just told to hold the space for you. You know, and I'm just like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Right. So this anticipation and being, um, you know, impatient and oh, impatience. <sighs> That's a fun one to work with. Eh? Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to hear more about, you know, any of your other turning points of discovery or, you know, areas where that, um, you know, where maybe you're still in denial and. Oh, yeah, for sure. That. You know, I think when I first got Reiki. Well, not got, you don't get Reiki. I mean, it's there. It's always there. It's just, you know, tuning in. So, but when we went through that first class, man, did I want to hang on to it for myself? I did not want to share it with anybody mm -hmm. at all because I felt so selfish over it. I felt so good for myself. I felt like myself for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then it was, I remember I'd went to New Orleans for the second time right after I got attuned. What a different experience. Because like, I went with you the year before. Holy smoke, like night, black and white, night and day. Because with you, I was like scared of my own shadow. And oh my God, the cab drivers are going to kidnap us. You know, I had a little bit of that when I went with my other friend, but I was a lot more relaxed, you know. And I found that my experience was so much more balanced in New Orleans that second time around because we know not only the Tuluric fields and everything else going on down there, but the spirit realm is mm -hmm. hell active down yeah, in there. Thin, yeah. right? mm -hmm. So I didn't feel, um, I felt more empowered and confident being down there. Mm -hmm. And that's when I noticed something had changed. Mm -hmm. I wasn't scared to get on the plane little terrified getting into the, with the cab drivers, you know, he was speaking a different language. So of course my mind's like, Oh my goodness. Right. <laughs> but we were safe. And, um, but other than that, it just made it so, it made my life so much easier. And I said, Oh, I want more. And it was interesting how channeling dropped into my lap shortly after that. Mm. And I took a lot of classes through Lazia healing through Tracy Blum. I mean, you've been one of my, even though we haven't done mentorship in the traditional sense, mm. I've been able to learn so much from you, from your growth, from your classes, from just being your friend. Mm -hmm. 
you know, mm -hmm. where with Tracy it was a different experience because she was teaching me aspects of spirit. I think I wanted from you, but you weren't ready yet for, mm -hmm. right? Because you stepped into it a little bit later, I feel, than I did. Mm -hmm. um, just because I, I mean, I, it was natural when they started to say, mm -hmm. oh, well, there's angels and stuff. I'm like, oh, I really hope that's who I've been talking to. <laughs> I really hope that's who's been at the side of my bed or you know and they made things like um so after I got angel stuff I want to kind of step into when I realized I was astral traveling because I think a lot of people really they don't realize that it's happening I know yeah and man I used to get this uh it happened to me a lot more before Reiki mm -hmm. a lot like I could count like almost weekly it would happen to me but I never actually fully jumped Mm -hmm. uh, but after I'd gotten Reiki with you and then I started channeling, uh, doing angel stuff and crystal stuff with Tracy and her teachings there, I remember the night I, I was aware I was astral traveling. Mm. We were trying to jump. I remember sitting there and I was lying down and it was funny that we never talked about it in class, mm -hmm. but I tuned into myself and I said, what the heck is happening? Mm -hmm. So for me, when I go, when my body wants to jump or when I'm relaxed enough to then, you know, jump. Mm -hmm. my ears first numb out and begin to ring in this deep yes that always oh uh, yeah <laughs> like down the hallway deep right yeah and then i'm like oh here comes the vibration yeah. and then i feel like just electricity mm -hmm. running through my body and then i go to lift mm -hmm. and then i just let go and then all of it disappears and you know i don't necessarily i prefer to be in other dimensional travel i like other energies better than the astral realm it's still so heavy and icky and Lots of stuff can sneak and hide around in there that I don't like. But when I became aware that I was safe, I remember that first time, it was after my first weekend of uh, angels and crystal stuff. I finally just let myself go and realized this isn't anything to be scared of because I'm never going to lose my body. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Like, this isn't a scary thing. I am safe. I have angels. I'm protected. Mm -hmm. And really, I can count on one hand how many times that's happened since where it's been out of control. Mm -hmm. I had last week, <laughs> my husband was sitting there when I lifted out of my body and, it, and I like slammed like one of those slammed back into my body. Like he's like, oh, did you trip? And I said, yeah, I did. Yeah, that's what happened. And he goes, I thought you were reading a book. And I said, why is that? And he goes, because you're going, because mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. I'm like, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm leaping right now. I don't even care if my husband's there. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, I thought you were totally reading a book and now you're over there sleeping. <laughs> that's hilarious. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So that's the most recent time, but it doesn't happen very often because it's something I don't care to do. I used to do a lot of, um, I was told by a, a really, really gifted medium that I was, after I got a lot of my training, I was so exhausted. Mm. So exhausted. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why is my soul so tired? Like, I feel great after Reiki. I feel great about my practice. Well, I was jumping at night and doing astral travel and clearing at nighttime. Yeah, me too. I, I learned to make contracts. I don't know. I, I'm curious how you handled it because I would wake up in the morning so exhausted. And I just, I just, and I would literally vibrate. I, I would feel the vibration for like, it would take me forever to wake up in the morning. And I'm like, I have to get up and go to work. Like I've got stuff to do. Like I, I can't keep taking all this time to, you know, to come back in. Right. But I didn't realize it for quite a while. And because it was happening over and over and I was really, I was kind of avoiding, I guess, acknowledging it. 
And then I started feeling it and just being aware of it. And then I was like, oh, now I understand. And so I just made the contract that my body heals and my body is rest, you know, is receiving all the rest that it needs to while I'm astro traveling and doing whatever needs to be done. But, and that when I come back into my body, that it's an easy acceptance. And then, you know, that I can wake up and move forward into my, into my day. So now very rarely, every once in a while, I'll still, I'll connect with it still. Um, And, but for the, for the most part, it's just, I just wake up and continue on my life now. It's like, oh, alarm's going off. Okay. I'm feeling, you know, so now I can spend time. I give myself the gift of time just to wake up gently, you know, in, and then get up and get going for my day. So that's, that's kind of how I've managed it. How have you, any tips or suggestions for you? Yes. Uh, well, for me, I did kind of the same thing, but you know, I'm a little bit more of a smoke and pony show. So I like to have <laughs> big messages. So I made a deal with myself. The next time I did it, I would be lucid dreaming while it's happening. I wanted to be very well aware and I want to wake up in the middle of it because I'm having a chat with my people when it's happening. Right. So yeah. The last time I did a clearing, I woke up and I remember it was the same as when I experienced a past life. I saw my feet first and my mm-hmm. feet helped me become aware as I go up my body. Right. Yeah. And I could see myself as myself, mm-hmm. yet it was a dirt floor in a shot. I don't know where I was. It was somewhere like, I want to say like, uh, like Peru was the one thing that kind of came to me, but I was far away. Mm-hmm. In kind of like a small town where they would still believe in pulling in exorcists. And I remember waking up in the middle of doing the full transmutation on the fellow. And it was the same as like, um, like the green mile, you know, John coffee, how he, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. And my throat opened up so much that I was, I was physically sore the next morning mm. because it was a huge clearing. It was something dark, dirty, whatever. I don't have to attach to it. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it was done, okay, listen up. I'm making a contract now. This is my last time not being fully aware that I'm doing clearings like this. Mm-hmm. I need my mind, body, and soul to be there for it to be most mm-hmm. effective. So bring them to my practice and I will deal with them how I need to deal with them. But I'm not doing it in sleep anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I ha- usually have packing around a couple archangels who are working with me. And I said, yeah, you bring my peeps down. And then, mm-hmm. uh, they gave me advice, go into Akasha, talk to your people. So mm. I went into my records and pulled my contract on that, burned it and rewrote a new one and yeah. just basically gave the stipulation. I need to be mind, body and soul aware that this is happening because I'm not detrimenting my body anymore. Mm-hmm. I put on so much weight because of that again. Mm-hmm. And also tying into um, not all of the entities and stuff were leaving my body. They were trying to implant and hang on to me. So mm-hmm. I then created that I'm not allowed to funnel anything lesser than angelic and higher light. I'm not mm-hmm. funneling darkness. Mm-hmm. I just transmute. I do not hold. I am not, I am not a trunk that holds on to that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no. <laughs> it's interesting so, you talk about that. Cause I know it's interesting, you know, I've, I mean, I carry a lot of weight too, and I have, and I mean, it's doesn't seem to matter what I do. Um, but it's definitely has to do with, with being a ma- I'm a massive empath for sure. Yes. And, um, 
you know, and it's interesting because even in my numerology, my astrology, like I've just been told that you, you just are a container, like you're just an emotional being. Um, and you just carry a lot of water in your chart. Like that's just a big part of, of who you are. And I'm just like, okay, you know, and you know, it's, 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 I've been active and I mean, yes, there's other, some, you know, still continue to, to be working on it. Um, but there's, um, you know, I don't, I always feel clean. Like I, I'm always, I'm always very cognizant of connecting and disconnecting, being just a clear, as clear as can be. And, um, you know, and, and I have felt, hygiene. what's that? The energetic hygiene is the most important part yes, of all of this. Of course it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've just, I've, I've always been pretty clear about it. It's always been one thing that I've been pretty clear. I'm like, oh no, I don't need to, I don't need to, and I don't need to be the one to transmute it on behalf of other people. Like I, I, I really am um, adamant about working with people to help them transmute it and dissolve it through their, through themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm just the, I'm the, I'm the space holder, you know, so, and that's kind of the role that I've, I've taken more of, but I'm also an activator. So when people are in my fields, you know, you know, kind of describing how you had that experience when you went to see the, um, the medium, yes. uh, you know, how you really felt like you felt all these, these symptoms. And I know that people feel that with me too. Sometimes they either are leaning in, they're just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I just feel so amazing when I'm around you. Or other times they're just like, I don't know what it is about you, but I just feel so yes. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, no, same thing. Thank you. I don't know why, but I just don't like you because I call forward their truth, and it's like it's like leaping out of them because they recognize, wow, freedom. And then there's the other part saying, uh, this uh, "Am I safe to have this freedom?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there is that push pull with people, and I and especially when I was first started doing. Well, it's happened throughout my whole life. It's just like I don't know why, but I just don't like you, or oh my god, like I love you. How could no anybody not love you? Right. And so there's always been that. And that's always been kind of confusing for me, even as an adult, it still happens. Um, and, and it's hard to, it's hard for people to understand, you know, because there, there's a lot of finger pointing and blame and, you know, instead of looking at me, well, what is inside of me that's making me feel really uncomfortable? Um, and, we're, and that's just the teaching part, right? Is the evolution of self-discovery is, you know, how can I start taking responsibility for myself? I have a story about that too for myself where for me it was the honoponopono. I was like, hell no, I'm not taking responsibility for everybody else's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then as I, and, and it was kind of too, you know, it was, um, and this was years later, this was probably like four or five years into my practice when I got introduced to the honoponopono. Yeah. And I, I was just like, no, that's just ridiculous. Why would I take responsibility for everybody else's stuff? And then over the years, it started to unpeel and then start to unpack itself to a deeper understanding of, oh, I really am in control of all of this, right? And so I get to, I get to choose how I show up in this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I remember you know, I, I had that aha when I realized I didn't have to be the center of anybody's universe. I didn't have to take responsibility or point fingers. And that's when I connected. Well, I've been so drawn in by the angels. So Akasha came naturally. And when I started to work with Akasha, they don't 
look at you like if you say well why is this person bothering me well why are you allowing that mm -hmm. and as soon as they ask that back and go but it's your accountability it's your responsibility mm -hmm. if i want to blame everybody else for feeling the way i do that's not healing that is mm -hmm. victimization it's not being accountable and that's where i found with akashic records it really for the first time it allowed me to be okay with being accountable for actually feeling the way i do because mm -hmm. I used to have really big problems with, well, I can't feel angry because that's not right. I'll just end up getting in more trouble, like with the dynamics of how our family worked, right? Mm -hmm. And I've seen through my husband, through Akasha, through my husband. I remember this one time, I was so fierce with my husband, couldn't say anything because he takes care of me and all these things. And he goes, what? You're allowed to be mad. I'm a piece of shit sometimes. You know, I'm like, okay. And he's like, so be accountable. If you feel mad, it's okay. Yeah. You know, and that's where Akasha showed me a lot about being okay, being flawed, because we're here to look at our flaws, accept them, and say, damn, you're gorgeous because of them. Mm -hmm. And choosing how you want to participate and just mm -hmm. loving, just loving. I think that's, the, that's been one of the hardest lessons too is and I know it's been a, a deep lesson for me as well and I, and I see it in other people also and, and I you know I, I'm still we're still working on it you know always mm -hmm. but the thing is is one of the things I'm passionate about having conversations with people is we don't always have to agree on things but it doesn't mean that you have to dislike me because of that Right. And that's, you know, one of the greatest things where just because I don't have, I don't check all of your boxes does not mean that you have to discount me or dislike me. Right. Yes. Because there's so many gifts that each one of us can give to each other. Um, and it's going to come in a different box or a different form than we ever imagined that it would be. That's right. Right. Our expectations about what we're willing to receive from people. Mm -hmm. Right. Or not receive. Mm hmm. That's what I find is so crazy, even within, you know, our industry. We all play a role. We all have a part. Somebody's not more magical than somebody else. They just flex it in a really cool and interesting way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we, we, we need each other. That's why we're one. You know, I was studying hermetics, and they talk about the laws of the universe, and this is kind of where the secret came from, you know, with the law of mentality, law of polarity, rhythm, you know, cause and effect we're all playing by these laws of course we are yeah right well so i think that's what makes psychology well there's psychology there's spirituality there's so many different pieces you know to as we dive into and and discover and i keep you know it's you know hermetics is amazing i mean i've dived into sound therapy i've dived into like so many other pieces um I, I, and I kind of want to go back a little bit too about, you know, one of the comments you made, like, I'm still, like, I'm still learning into the leaning and learning into the angels. Mm -hmm. And I think my biggest awakening to, I mean, I've denied the angels for years. That's because I didn't understand it. It was something that wasn't, um, I mean, I'm still evolving into it. Like I know through our relationship and your discovery, like you, you know so much about angels. Like I definitely, it's, it's still an area that's new to me. Um, and I still, to be honest, dabble in and out of, like I'm in and I'm out and I come back and forth. Um, but I had a major surgery last year where they didn't know if I was gonna have cancer or, you know, we don't know if you're, until we go in, we don't know. And so it was kind of my year of really deepening into my relationship with spirituality and 
the angels. And, and I, I just kept saying, yes, all these healers and all these people were coming into my life. And I'm like, I don't know what you have, but I, I, my body is saying yes. So I'm all in. And I had this session with this beautiful man out of um, England. His name is Stuart Pierce. And he is in his seventies. He's British. Like his story is just phenomenal. And he sees vibration. He sees sound. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we first met, he, he's like, I just don't understand. He's like, you are just so like you, like you're just so connect. Like I see your, your beauty and your grace and your connection. And he's like, I don't understand why you can't see them as benevolent beings. You know, and I was just so resistant to it. And he's, and after that session that I had with him, I really, I felt it like it really unlocked my heart to really, cause you know, it, it's interesting, um, the amounts of love that we can receive. And, you know, I, I think my resistance to the angels is that I, I can't receive that love, um, because it's just so, so pure. So pure, it, like you know, unconditional unconditional and to have that like just that just to be seen and just to be received without any conditioning or judgment or anything and you know it was just um and then my whole life kind of changed after that because now everything's in rainbow <laughs> i see rainbow everything all the time it's not even when i color you know it's and and i find little you know i've always had it where kids and dogs and animals like they always just love me um but i i would say that was the biggest the biggest shift and i'm still learning you know leaning into it more it is an evolution and it is something that it's not tangible it doesn't really fully make sense and yet it is it's so such a powerful piece i totally agree because we feel them around us. I mean, it doesn't matter what you believe as far as whether they are full angelic beings that come down similar to spirit or if it's a just as realm of intelligence we can tap into, you know, and that's how I feel. I see it more as energy than as angelic beings because I've never seen them clairvoyantly speaking, mm -hmm. I've never seen them as your typical Archangel Michael has black hair and big wings and blue. I see it as what energy he's giving me right now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's cobalt blue. Sometimes it's violet golden colors. Like, but what does Michael have for me? So I try to, I really studied a lot of Sylvia Brown's teachings. I found her, I may not have connected with her so much as a psychic, but boy, my angelology took me deep into some of her work mm -hmm. and theosophy and how she's like, only humans give names. Mm -hmm. like, so we're the ones that need to label what it is. So when I talk to my students, I always say, ask for the aspect of the angelic realm that you require for this healing right now. You don't need Michael. You don't need your, you don't have to remember all of them and the colors and halos and no, but what aspect do you need? Mm -hmm. Show up. Right. And I, I've always found it uh, interesting to look through the, you know, the seven, seven layers of heaven within it and how each phyla gives us a little bit, a little bit that we can understand about ourselves. Some we can't reach in contact, but the ones that are there in support of us, mm -hmm. they give 150%, no matter what you do. I remember feeling like I'm so off my path, but they're like, oh, but we're here to back. We'll remind you where you were. Mm -hmm. Right. Even when you turn on yourself, they're still there for you. When I yeah. tune into the energy more now, like I, it's, it's on different scales, I would say. Um, and the scales isn't right. It's frequency, right? So it's definitely a different level of frequency that I feel. Um, 
when I first met Archangel Raphael, like he came into my bedroom and he came in in this, I just remember him so big and such a giant that I was like an ant. Like I was just like so tiny and I was just did not feel worthy at all. And I just, that was when I shut the door. Um, and really? and it was like, oh no, not for me. It was, I mean, he was, it was emerald green. I remember the color and, but it was this giant, giant being. Um, and it, and I, even when I think back to it now, like it didn't really have like a, there was no human for, it was like a block. Like it was just this emerald green, but so massive. It was like the size of the Empire State Building. And I was like a tiny little car on the road, you know? And it was just, and I felt it was too big and it was too much. And so I shut the door and that was, that was, you know, that was the big reason why I shut the door. I didn't understand it. And, and then, you know, as Archangel Raphael shows up for me over the years, he's coming as a man smaller than me. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, so that was too much. Too much. So I, I'll, I'll show you how, I, you know, how in just being more amicable and, and supportive and, and that kind of thing. So I always laugh when he comes in because he just comes in as this, like, really sweet man. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that it, I associate it as a man because some of them, you know, it's just very um, non-gender specific and, and it is just, just energy and, and different frequency. Um, I've been a, I'm a student of mantra, so I love playing with the different mantras and you know, to me, it's, it's in the energy of prayer also and, and a releasing, but I tell you like the different frequencies that I feel in my body when I do the different, do different mantras because they're ancient texts and it's ancient frequency and vibration. And some of them, like I feel it up here. Some of them, I feel it like vibrating through my beingness and like coming outward. Sometimes they're like a little bit lower. My voice like changes as I, it's just, it's so powerful to be able to connect to the different energy and frequency. That, that's how I feel about connecting into the lights of, uh, or the realms of duality and light. You know, I, I'm not as schooled as ma on mantras as you are. Uh, not at all, really. Mm. Uh, I have one that I use in my practice that I don't even know where it came from, but when I looked it up, I was like, yeah, I feel that. Uh, it's an Indian one. Anyway, but I can relate that to dealing with the different layers of consciousness as I'm dealing through, well, the layers of light and duality, yeah, right? Like elemental stuff, it feels so close to me. It feels like my best friend. It feels like I can eat it. Like, you know, astral realm to me feels really mucky and dark. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's nice to play in there, but I really only want to, I, I like to work through angels mm -hmm. when I'm doing mediumship work because it just, it feels lighter. You know, it's not as I icky, feel, not I, do, I feel the change too, especially astral. You know, the astral energy to me is this void. Like it's, it's so expansive. Mm -hmm. And to me, it brings in this cool like energy. Reiki, Reiki energy or any, any healing type energy for me is just this beautiful, soft pink, um, for me, it's just, and, and me, to me now, it's just more of like a rainbow color, multicolored. Um, it's just very soft and, and just so delicious. Um, so gentle and sweet. That's how I feel about healing energy too. And I don't find that in myself, in my experience, I don't find that in the astral or elemental realm. I find it angelic and higher because it just, it can't exist when something is in a state of duality. It can't exist. Not that, not that uh, pure energy of love. 
Right, because mm -hmm. it's fun to work with the elementals, but boy, if you're not ready to give back, man, to turn into gremlins, pretty yeah, fast. That's a big, big, big part. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, we could talk. That would be a whole <laughs> other subject that we can dive into. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit more about so your practice now. So how are you? How are you working in the world, especially with the changes? Has it affected you any? Not at all, actually. Um, you know, for, for the most part, my practice has been out of my home. I really didn't really start my professional practice till between 2013 and 14, where it really started to amp up. And even then, I worked a little bit out of your shop, which was amazing. It gave me so much experience. And well, I just love being right next to you. I remember some of those times where you're like, I just had to step out of my clients, you know, <laughs> and you had to sneak off to the washroom. Uh, and then I did a little bit of time at Lazia Healing Center. But for the most part, since 2013, no, 14, for the most part, it's been pretty much out of my home. Mm -hmm. I've done pho phone sessions for 90% of my clients. Some people will come to my house. Right. I base it out of my home and I do everything mainly on Zoom. Uh, I really branched out into podcasting last year. So, because, you know, it's fun. Why not try something new? Uh, the angels kept telling me I was going to be on the radio and I'm like, well, this looks like radio. So why don't we try that? And uh, really getting into uh, meditations and helping my clients more on the teaching and mentoring aspect, mm -hmm. because the clients that seem to walk through my door are already intuitive. They've already had studies, but there's been holes because they've done quickie workshops and masters in a weekend and things like that, which me and you, I'm glad that we really resonate on that same level. It takes time to integrate this stuff. Mm. So I help them integrate their real gifts, not just stuff that this teacher said they should take this and the next course and that, but let's hone in on what you are mm. so that you can use it to manifest the life that you want. Mm. Because not everybody who's called to this type of work is necessarily doing it professionally. Sometimes they're doing it personally so they can actually flex professionally that much better or reach yeah, their dreams. I think you have to. Like you have to you, I mean, the truth is you have to do this work for yourself, you yeah. know, and, and I love what you said back to about taking Reiki level one, where I just, it's not about being selfish. It's about, to me, it's, you have to fill your love cup first before you can then give to others. And, you know, and I think that's where a lot of people are like, well, I just want the course. And then I, you know, I just need to get to work. And it doesn't, especially, this is not something where you just went to university and took marketing, you know, and then yes. you have to get a job and apply it. It's, it's a life study. It's a life style. Lifestyle. You know? I say that all the time in my advertising is Reiki is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be your own psychic. You can be your own healer. I don't have to do that for you, but man, I can show you how to do it mm -hmm. because so much of this experience like you had said earlier it's not tangible you can't there's not you can't really write a book on it because how i experience my spirituality and the angels and all the things mm -hmm. is going to be completely different to how you do but as long as we get there at the end it doesn't matter how we get there right mm -hmm. so there's no rush to this i've often well not often it doesn't happen to me often but if a, if a student comes to me who's in for the quickie process it's like sorry, I'm not your person, but mm -hmm. I can recommend somebody else for you if that's what you want to do. Yeah. But I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it to help you. You know, I think it's because like you, I didn't have strong mentors who were there all the time. Like I said, I learned our mentorship was a little bit different than it would look like. And same with me and Tracy, like there's not been somebody standing there by my side telling me what to do. 
but I've been brave yeah, enough. There is, you know, and, and I mean, very rarely in my experience, even as I talk to people, like some people do, they have that one person that's been in their life and consistent, you know, guiding them through. But I've always, I mean, it's even my teachers, I've outgrown teachers very quickly. It's like they came in for a season, they came in for a reason, here's the gift, and then, you know, um, you move on to the next level, the next phase, the next experience, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to have those teachers who were okay with that, mm -hmm. you know, that okay with me pulling away, just going and doing my own, because I'm not never going to do it that way anyway. You know, I've always been resistant to doing it the way you should, I suppose. But how, how do you explore more if you it don't is, say, let me try this? Do anything. <laughs> You know, and, and I think you're right. I mean, if we don't have the courage to, you know, look at the dark night of the soul or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. you know, Reiki and stuff in light is not just love and light up your butt. Mm -hmm. it, it, there is some dark moments as you are revealing who you are and who you want to be and who you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's really hard to look at our soul and say, wow, I can't believe I did that to you. Mm -hmm. Right? So we have to heal ourselves first, because how do we ever, ever spark healing in somebody else if we don't heal that in ourselves first? Mm -hmm. I learned that from you. Mm -hmm. I learned that from you. And I learned that it takes time to be that best version of you. I learned that from you as well. Mm, thank you. You know, mm, uh, Tracy you. taught me a lot about that too, right? Mm. But I mean, I learned that from watching your journey and knowing that it's okay to shift on the fly, because that was one thing that was embedded into me you got to go to a job you got to be there till you're dead and you're gonna hate every moment of it i'm so happy you got into the post office right like remember when i worked at the post office like worst years of my life because i'm like why this sounds like so this is craziness why are you doing this why are you putting yourself through this i'm like but it's good money there's a pension right but really is it you know if i'm selling my soul to die a little every day so I can have a pension. Yeah. I'm really glad I have a husband that's okay with me. Just, oh, go do your hobbies and your voodoo in your basement, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but he's the provider and the stability. That's his, that's yeah. his role. And my role is to keep us on the edge of our seats. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes, you're very good at that. <laughs> It's like, remember when I was going to be doing that thing? Well, that's not happening anymore. I'm going to go ahead and do this thing now. Uh -huh. yeah. It's a, it's conflicting being me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's so much joy in that too. I think there's, you know, and yet there's so much more to evolve and, and to learn. And it's not, you know, I think it is to me, it's about enjoying the journey um, every step of the way. And yes, you know, there is, I always say you have to love the dark as much as the light, right? And you have to love, you know, there's no, there's really no difference. But it, again, it's those attachments. It's when we're looking at, you know, how we think it should be. Why isn't this, is it, why isn't it this way? Or even looking at the energy of emotions. I spend so much time with people unpacking emotions and learning to identify them. Um, because it's not safe to feel and to even identify anger um you know <laughs> oh i have a, a really funny story i have to share it another time but 
um, just helping, you know, I help women unleash their inner girl, I call it. And it's just giving voice to that deeper rage that's deep inside, you know, is that, you know, it's letting it, giving it permission to come out because we've spent so, so much of our life suppressing it and moving it down, trying to compact it, you know. It's um, not ladylike. It's not ladylike to be angry. But it's also, you know, even to that, you know, we watch little kids too. They have so much energy sometimes. They just turn into temper tantrums. Mm -hmm. And then we're trying to suppress the temper tantrum. But if we just appreciate it as energy that needs to be expelled and give it permission just to move through and to be able to just learn to hold the space for that child or hold the space for that human or whatever it is. Um, it makes a world, a world of difference because then it could be expressed and it just moves through. Yes. Instead of it having to be labeled good or bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I often say that to my clients as well. It's not good or bad. Mm -hmm. It is. So, good. you know, take away the fear, take away an attachment, just like you're saying it, it's not good or bad. It's reality and it's truth. So just sit with that. Right. I love that. Mm -hmm. mm. So as we come to a close, any other, any, any last words or any other advice you'd like to share? Um, you know, I think as far as any last words or advice, I just feel like do what feels good and do you, right? Mm -hmm. And don't worry about what anybody else is saying about your experience. If you're not getting that feedback and that alignment with somebody, they, they'll never hear your message anyway and they'll want to argue. Mm -hmm. So instead, just align yourself to those who allow you that space and do you. You can be your own healer, right? Me and Dixie did it. <laughs> so good <laughs> you. Because <laughs> right? that's what it comes down to. We can't, I think that's what it really comes down to is just, you know, it's great to have people to help you through the journey, but you have to, at the end of the day, you have to be the one to do the work yourself. You have to because buy it. I, I, I think, you know, one of my greatest gifts I know about myself is I learn and I apply like I'm just like okay I learned this skill how can I apply it to my life like right now mm -hmm. you know what's how can I how can I start living into it right but again it's always feeling into alignment and then if it doesn't fit I'm just like nope that doesn't work let's try something new yeah mm -hmm. right and there's so many people who are scared to go oh but I already started this I got to see it through to the end but right. why why finish the book if you're not interested in it move on to something more fun right yeah yeah, thank you. I thank you for giving me that courage. You know, well, I, I'm still learning into it. <laughs> and here, even with the show, you know, this is just something that just kind of came. You know, it's I've always kind of sat in the background too. It's like, you know, what can I do? How can I be? Um, how can I support from a, a different? Um, evoke a different conversation with people. You know, and it's just it's okay. You know, it's. The thing I love is everybody has so many different gifts mm -hmm. and we all get to share our different gifts. Like we don't, we're not the same because it's it, your gifts are yours. Right. And it's just like, there's nothing uh, that's the gift of being you is people hire you for the gifts that they're experiencing with you. And, you know, it's important to experiment. It's, it's important to explore. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be perfect, you know, uh, and, and I've worked in the background for a long period of time. Like I, I'm, you know, I'm not a person who's really actually out there, even though people think that I am. I'm just like, oh, you know, it's, it's uh, I don't know. I looked on YouTube and there seems to be, <laughs> there's a lot of Dixie on there. <laughs> 
Well, it's coming. Um, but I, I've enjoyed speaking on stage. You know, I've enjoyed, I've, I enjoy being in the moment with people. And, you know, so I haven't really been very active on social media. And, you know, I don't have a huge media presence out there, but I definitely have a, a beautiful presence in relationships with people. You know, so it's now bringing those relationships forward in, in different ways. So thank you for being a part of the journey and thank you for our friendship and our journey together. Um, it's been absolutely inspiring and amazing and it's such a, a great story of Winn-Dixie. Really. <laughs> right? And I'm like, and we still got like lots of years to go. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? You know, I appreciate you very much and uh, appreciate having this time with you today, Dixie. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks so much. And again, I'm going to be sharing uh, wins. You can uh, connect with her podcast. Um, she's got some really awesome things to share and to say as well. So thank you so much. Um, again, you know, I just so love our time together. To our viewers, thank you for watching. I hope you found some value and I would love to invite you to continue the conversation. Um, post your comments below. Come and join us in the Facebook group, uh, Inspired Women Gathering. Um, and you can reach me, connect with me, DixieBennett.com. And uh, I hope to see you next time. Until then, abundant love. Thank you so much. Thank you.